Hey, welcome to BIB Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Now, the past few years have been a bit of a whirlwind for agricultural technology firm Semios. The Vancouver-based company has raised more than $100 million from investors, and it's in the midst of a bit of an acquisition spree targeting other ag tech firms in the industry. And it comes amid a surging demand to rethink how we approach our food sources. So with us to offer some insights into the industry and the company is Michael Gilbert. He is the CEO of Semios. Michael, great to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. So, you know, uh, like you guys are known for the sensors, the data, all of that stuff, like really kind of filling in a lot of the blanks that maybe uh, farmers would have. But uh, you guys are on an acquisition spree now. You guys are kind of like broadening uh, what you guys do. How do you describe the company in a nutshell? Yeah, so we, uh, from the early stages, we focused on um, managing risk at the field level for permanent crops. So you can kind of divide agriculture in two big groups. There's the permanent crops like on, that grow on trees or vines. And then you have your row crops that are seeds that get harvested every year. And um, we focus on the former. So we have a big footprint in apples and cherries and wines and in almonds and pistachios and in citrus. And um, yeah, we've been really focused on the field and how to manage risk using big data and machine learning. And um, there's been definitely a a demand from the customers to consolidate the various offerings that are being offered to them and create a more single login platform, or you might call it a a full crop cycle solution. And so that's what we're doing now is we're bringing in those top tier solutions that are complementary to ours to create a seamless experience for the customer. So with this acquisition spree that you're talking about here, it's kind of interesting because you guys, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you've been able to acquire three different companies in the last little while. Um, What are you seeking out? Like, do you guys have specific goals in mind when you're making these acquisitions? You wanted to create this kind of broader platform, but um, what is kind of the business side of things for you as you guys are looking to grow as a company? Yeah, we have have a couple of lenses we look at it. We We have our strategy, which is to... How do we build this a platform for managing crops and producing more food and improving the sustainability of operations? And so that's always a lens we look through. And that lens could provide us, for example, with ideas for product development, ideas for partnerships, or ideas for acquisitions. Um, the second filter we use is we ask our big customers, what have they seen lately? What do they like? To, what do they like? who they like to see us partner with or acquire. And that also drives our, at least our, 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 our prioritization of who to speak to first. And um, the three companies we've acquired in the last uh, three months have all been top of the list with our main, our biggest customers. And they're obviously now ecstatic to have all these solutions now under one umbrella to create a more seamless experience. And I noticed you're making mention of your customers and you want to be able to serve them uh, in uh, their needs at this point. Who is kind of your typical customer? or What's the typical market for what you guys are developing here in terms of egg tech? Yeah, our experience has been that um, the farmers who are first in line to to jump on the, the data and, and precision farming platform are often the larger growers. Uh, I think mainly because when you're farming at a large operation, you know, logistics is everything. 
you know, a smaller farmer might know their individual trees really well and how they work, but a large farming operation, I mean, they if they see a risk that they need to address, it might take them four days to actually get to all the fields. And so logistics is everything. And what we do now with our agro partnership, which is really about, about documentation and, and scaling uh, decision-making, we can help those large farms essentially deliver on time what they need. So get ahead of it. And so we are working more now on, on having more data to predict when things are going to happen more in the future. Uh, not unlike, you know, how you have apps on your phone that allow you to detect when, when is traffic coming? What's my alternative route? You know, if you find out there's traffic, but you're already in it, you're already in it. Well, that's kind of useless, right? So um, seeing it ahead of time is, is critical. And, and that's what we offer for our large farming customers. I also think about all of the weather experiences that we've had just this summer here in British Columbia, whether it's wildfires or heat domes. There's a lot more unpredictability going on right now. Do you get the sense that as climate change, you know, kind of rocks the world, not for the better, but for the worse, that that's just going to make demand for what you guys are developing in terms of being able to predict, you know, with uh, data and uh, sensor technology, what you guys are developing, you know, uh, is that going to create kind of the surge in demand moving forward? Oh, definitely. We have to, you know, the, uh, the days of um, the farmer's almanac, cutting it in terms of predictability are, are long past. Um, I think a lot of the, the effects of climate change, whether it is a heat dome or there's smoke in the air and that's affecting how the rays come through, like all these things are, they, they, we can't control them, but we can definitely do a lot to predict what the impact will be and then what our customers can do to mitigate that risk. And, uh, and even as we go forward, as we start to see, potentially uh, gradual change in temperatures. Well, you know, just because you can't grow whatever you're growing for the last 20 years on that field, doesn't mean there's nothing you can grow. There's probably a different crop that does well when it's a bit warmer or drier. And so we can help our customers better understand what would do well or better in those certain areas. And that's, you, you get by, by monitoring a lot of fields. We have over over 2 million sensors reporting every 10 minutes. We manage the largest farming operations in the world. We have a really good sense of what grows well, where and when. You know, I, I think when I first started talking to you a couple of years ago, there, there's a big focus on, say, California. Um, geographically, you know, like where are you guys looking at in terms of uh, serving people? Because I, I think about that climate change question that we're talking about, though, you know, like the world is going to be changing. Land is going to be changing. And so how do we adapt to that? And as you say, you know, if we can't grow one crop, then let's look at the land and see what else we can grow. Yeah, we've certainly expanded since then. You know, we we do have still a, quite a major footprint in in the Western United States. So California, Oregon, and Washington, and Washington are a, a major um, area of concentration of our customers. But we're also in Canada. We are in, in, in Europe. We're in several countries in Europe. We're in Latin America, in South Africa, and now in Australia and New Zealand as well. So definitely a global reach. And I think through... Through, through the pandemic, I think there was a lot of concerns about food security and, and where we get our food from and how we're going to manage that. So this is definitely a, an international picture. In fact, a lot of our customers have sister operations south of the hemisphere, in the southern hemisphere to assert so they can ensure a, a kind of 
year-round supply of whatever crops they produce. And so um, it's important for us to, to meet the demands of those customers. And so we're going where they take us. I, I didn't even think about that, uh, you know, just being able to produce that kind of year round supply and having it going, having operations going in different hemispheres. So it's just kind of cool kind of getting into the nitty gritty of this all. And it, it also makes me just wonder, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are, say, a chemist by trade. How did you find yourself, you know, working on the commercial side of the agricultural technology industry? Yeah, I mean, I I became a chemist because I, I love complex problems i think and i think the way nature solves those problems is is i've always been in awe with how how nature has developed these super intricate chemicals and communication systems that work so well things that we haven't come close to competing i mean i know we think that rocket ships are pretty cool but i can tell you that the 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 level of engineering that's required for our bodies to work is way way cooler and so uh i've always been in awe of that and for me, this understanding and, and seeing the data that drives how nature reacts to climate change and how trees react or cornfields or blueberry bushes, any of those crops, how they react to the conditions to me is absolutely fascinating. And, and better understanding, it, I know, is going to be the key to more sustainable food production. Our, the demands we have, if we come even close to having 10 billion people by 2050, like we have so much work to do to secure our food supply. I mean, we're we're already using the best land, the, be, the best water around the world. Everything else is marginal and we need to get way more effective at producing food. You know, you look at the region and there is kind of a big push for ag tech. Uh, I think, you know, you are at the uh, one of the biggest profiles in British Columbia right now. We also have uh, Terra Mera. It's not one of your direct competitors, but you guys are both in the same industry. How do you find just kind of the ascension that BC's had? You know, does it make it tougher for recruitment, especially as kind of the world is in a very uncertain place right now? But how do you keep up with all the growth plans that you guys have in mind? Yeah, no, it is a good point. I mean, we find, you know, a lot of the the, the talent we need is in, in data and data science and data engineering. And I think uh, BC is fortunate to have um, quite a bit of that talent locally. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of companies come north to find that talent. Um, but also, I think one thing we learned from the pandemic is, you know, we went from having 95% of people in the office to 95% of the people working from home in three days. I mean, it was incredible, that shift. And so what it tells us is really talent can come from everywhere, across the country, in different countries, all that's possible now thanks to technology. And I don't think we'll ever be limited in terms of where and how we can find talent. Has that made recruitment? It seems like an obvious question, but has that has a pandemic made recruitment just a little bit easier just in the last uh, 18 months? I think it has. It's made it easier. Um, the one thing I always worry about as, as a CEO is is how are people onboarding? What's their experience like when they join a company? They don't get to meet people in person. And and how do we get them connected to our vision and our core values? So, And so there's more work to be done there. And how do we bring that on? So I worry more about once they come on board, then how do we get them to come on board? 
I even think about the fact that you guys have been acquiring all these companies. Uh, you're going to have like uh, off bit different big operations in different cities across the world. Like as a CEO from that perspective and, and traveling is not exactly the easiest thing to do right now, especially if, you know, you're uh, uh, looking to get across hemispheres. You know, how do you ensure that you kind of have that cultural fit that uh, needs to happen as you're making these acquisitions uh, moving forward? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting dynamic. You know, one of the things that I had I had not fully appreciated as as I took on this role as a CEO was um, you know, how much how messaging is important, and somehow sometimes it can feel repetitive because I I, I hear myself speak all the time, obviously, but um, you know, as a CEO, you need to keep on delivering that message, and um, people need to hear it, and so. My number one job is to communicate our vision, our progress, where we're going, why we're doing these things so that people feel connected to what they're doing. And it can feel repetitive, but it pays dividends. And especially for those new employees or, the, or new companies joining us, they need to get aligned with what we're doing. And, and what we're doing is super powerful. It's meaningful and people get attracted to it. So it's my job to ensure that everyone knows why we're doing what we're doing. So one of the top things that I've been curious about throughout the last 18 months is, is how we keep the economy humming. We're in the midst of a federal election right now. Uh, if you had the ear of uh, the parties, um, what would you say would be kind of the best way to ensure that we can make egg tech, you know, just one of those ascendant industries that it has so much potential to be right now? Yeah, I think we're going to have to, I mean, uh, no country can be everything to everyone. We're going to have to pick our horses here. I mean, we have in the past been very resource dependent. And I think we have an opportunity here to also be a, a mass um, source of, of specialized talent and an exporter of, of cutting edge technologies. And so we already have quite a few of the most important ag and ag tech companies in the world are based in Canada and exporting worldwide, uh, including Semios. And I think we need to, to double down on that and, and claim our stake there. And I think we can own that. And there's, there are such things as, you know, as ecosystems of business businesses. And I think we have one building here. And I think we need to, to keep moving on that. And we can definitely take that position of being the world's experts on ag tech. And if you want the latest and best and you want to improve your food security, come to Canada to find what we have to offer. And we have everything from row crops to permanent crops to satellite data to sensors, and we have it here. It's going to be fascinating to see how the industry further unfolds in the coming years, especially as we talked about in light of uh, climate change. And so uh, you and I will keep in contact. Uh, but for now, uh, Michael, I just want to thank you so much for joining us on the show today. No problem. Thanks for having me. That is Michael Gilbert. He is CEO of Semios, and that is it for the show today, but we'll be back soon. In the meantime, you can go to BIV.com, more stories and more interviews there. For now, I just want to thank everyone for listening, and I am Tyler Orton.